I wish we could look into the truest heart of the families before they enter foster care to really know the intent of a parent, what their needs truly are, honestly, to prevent the foster system in the beginning, you know, as much as I see holes and brokenness in the system, if we we backtrack further, like the, the devastation is that the family can't stay together in the first place. That's a wonderful answer. That's a wonderful answer. All right, welcome to the Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe. Grab your cup of coffee, cup of tea, settle down for another episode of the Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe. At the Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe, we know that one caring adult can really change life for a vulnerable child. That's why foster parents are one of the most critical components of the foster care system. Foster parents open their homes and their hearts and provide hope and love to children who need it the most. They are the guides that every superhero needs to be great. That's why foster parents need better support and more exceptional resources. For far too long, foster parents have been made to feel like extras in a movie, when in reality, they're more like the co-stars. Here at the Mosaic Foster Parents Cafe, this is where those guides come to meet and become better informed, better prepared, and more encouraged to continue to serve on the front lines of the child welfare system. I'm your host, Takeem Morgan. I spent eight years of my life navigating the foster care system as a child, and that experience really inspired me to become the change maker that I am today on behalf of vulnerable children, as well as an advocate for foster parents. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire the next generation of foster parents and foster children to be great In fact, our mission here at Mosaic is to inspire and nurture the spirit of serving children and families, one foster parent, one episode, and one community at a time. Welcome. We have a very, very, very special guest with us today. This episode is focused on care communities. What is a care community and why should you be involved? Our guest is a lead coordinator for an Indiana-based care community. She just completed her one-year commitment with the care communities program, and she recently signed up for another year of commitment as well as stepping up to into some leadership roles, uh, which she's going to share with us. Ashley Ferris is our guest today, and she is one of our heroes of foster care. Because she's involved in such an innovative effort and not only involved, but stepping up and increasing her commitment and her involvement on behalf of children and families. And this is the type of uh, support that foster families really need, that foster children need. And we really want to acknowledge and hold her up. Uh, She came to us to the show through a connection we have with Hands of Hope, who is the official affiliate for care communities in the state of Indiana and Indiana area. And I asked them, I said, you know, we're doing a series on heroes, folks that are stepping up, that are going above and beyond and, and really serving children and families. And it was not a hesitation. 
for them to bring to me, Ashley Ferris, they said, listen, we know exactly the person that that you should bring on the show and that you should acknowledge. Um, Ashley has been outstanding. Her service has been unparalleled. And we really do want to honor and acknowledge her. And so, Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> How are you that feeling feels, this morning? That feels like really, <laughs> really high marks for what, uh, what I do with the care communities. But thank you so much for that. We're going to start the show off right. This is a cafe. This is a digital coffee house for foster parents. Uh, This is a digital coffee house for folks that want to step up their involvement in the foster care space. And in perfect coffee house fashion, we're going to start the show off with a cup check. That's right. A cafe (laughs) cup check. Uh, And so what we want to know is when you walk into the cafe, what do you usually order? And this morning, what's in your cup? Okay. Well, I am a coffee lover. I tell people I love coffee so much I drink decaf sometimes. So uh, (laughs) after about noon, (laughs) if I walk into a coffee shop, if it's a mom and pop or a local place, I want their basic drip coffee or their pour over. I want to know what, what their purest version of coffee is. And I love to try that first. So if I'm being Extra, I'm going to go with the pour-over because a Chemex pour-over, there's just hardly anything like it, in my opinion. Oh, man, I think we might be talking to a connoisseur. We asked the right person to come to the cafe. I, uh, you will find me in a cafe most of the time. Pandemic was so sad because it took away my time to just hang out in a cafe and write and enjoy what they have. So if I'm running through the drive through living the mom life, uh, I am actually – uh, more of a Duncan fan than a Starbucks, honestly. Um, today in my cup is <laughs> totally basic pumpkin spice latte with an extra shot. So oh, you know what, pumpkin spice, some- <laughs> you can't go wrong with pumpkin spice. I'm a pumpkin spice guy. I'm a pumpkin I mean, I actually, spice guy. I have to add the extra shot to take down that sweetness. I don't, I don't like it super sweet, but Fair enough. Um, tis the season. I, I enjoy it while it's here and I don't miss it when it's gone. I, it's just a thing. I like to welcome in the, the fall with that. But um, yeah, I, I love tea. I love coffee. It's, it's pretty much anything on the menu. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Tis the season. We got a real <laughs> coffee drinker. Green tea. I have to cut, the, cut it off a green tea. It's not my uh, No green tea for you? No. All right. Round of applause for the coffee drinker. All right. Here we go. We got the right person in the cafe this morning. All right, fair enough. So my cup check. Okay, so I'm, I have, you know, I think this drink, I'm not sure how long it's been on the menu. I am a Starbucks guy. I'll admit that. I'm one of those people, you know, going there all the time. I mean, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying. They're right next to each other so I can choose because they're right next to each other. Absolutely. So what I am sipping is a venti iced brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso and and you know i am proud of myself for getting that out because every time i go there i'm like okay i take a deep breath and i was like can i give them my order can i remember all of the letters all of the words that are in my order uh but i've i've really taken to this you know uh cheers to the pumpkin spice as well (laughs) tis the season all right so our next round of questions are are part of our icebreaker. And as I stated, you are one of the heroes of foster care. Um, We thank you so much for your service. But, you know, we we got some questions for our heroes. 
Uh, and if you if you would indulge me, I would love to hear your responses to some of these questions. What is your favorite superhero comic book character? So this one, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say, but I I don't have one right off the top of my head that I would say I watched the shows or follow the storyline. But I really liked Wonder Woman, the first movie. The second movie I have not watched yet. I have not heard great reviews, sorry, to the filmmakers. <laughs> but I loved the power that she tapped into when it mattered. Oh, and those, yeah. You know, you can think of those pivotal scenes where you could just see it on her face, like, I have to do this. There is no one else. And the courage just followed that decision. So yeah. that's why I connect with her so well. Awesome. So you were inspired by the message of the of the movie and the character. Uh, if you could be granted one superpower, what superpower would you choose and why? So funny enough, my 10-year-old asked me this question yesterday. She loves to play that kind of game in the car. Yeah. So she asked me yesterday, and I, I went with two. So I will say the predominant one that I would choose would be speed, whether that's speed cleaning, speed traveling, speed reading. I like the flash. I would love to do everything fast. Wow. Um, I also told her I would take the power to heal. And then I said, but I would never be left alone ever. <laughs> so that would be a very hard power to have. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, speed. We got a speed racer here. <laughs> okay. How about this? What is the story behind how you got involved with child welfare? Okay. I actually, I like telling this story because it's kind of a fun way to see how God is patient and kind, and he leaves us these like road signs to our, on our journey. So a lot of times you can't see it in the moment, but hindsight's twenty twenty. And I would say, gosh, almost six years ago, I started looking into being a foster family. I just felt the burden for it. We had talked about it as a family, hypothetically. Um, so I started doing some research and, and praying about it, and it just never felt like a yes but it didn't leave my mind. And so it kind of, for for a few years, just left me with this uh, tension of something I'm feeling called into, but the only way I knew, I mean, when I thought of the foster care community, the only way I thought to help was to be a foster parent or to be a licensed social worker or something that required the degree, the career side, right? But as far as a layman, I just thought that was it, was if you're a licensed foster care parent, that's how you can contribute. One of my very close friends actually did get her license to foster. So seeing that from just a a best friend perspective, it honestly just looked really hard. And so watching her experience that, I was like, "Uh, I can't do that. I mean, it just, it it arrested me right in that moment. I just didn't think I could do it. And and honestly, she didn't have, you know, what we're going to talk about later with the care communities and that support around her deeply. So it wasn't something she could sustain either. It took a, a, it taxed their family. And although I feel like she was doing the right thing and she was serving what in the capacity God was calling her to, it was for a season. It was for particular kiddos that I believe their family was called to hold space for. They're in their forever family now and absolutely believe it was just a season for her. But again, seeing that instead of it completely snuffing it out, it just again made me more frustrated. Like, I just don't think I can do that but I still feel this burden. I still feel this need to get involved. And then another friend got a job through hands of hope. 
And I started learning about this liaison between the Child Protective Services and the needs of these families and uh, went to a Night of Hope, the, the fundraiser that they have, just started to learn more and more about it. And honestly, I just kind of sat in that waiting of not sure. And a year and a half ago, gosh, right as the pandemic was beginning, my church announced that Hope and Olive was going to begin. And it was a foster care ministry birthed out of people that went to my church, but not directly birthed out of like the the leadership of our church. It's not, it doesn't belong to our church, but the people that started it and felt burdened for it. And God had been on, you know, kind of pounding their hearts about the foster care community. They all got together and started this. And as soon as I saw what that was going to look like, I had my like neon sign moment, like this is your avenue. This is your entry point into foster care. So for me, that was my sign. And as soon as they started putting info out there, I was like, I, I want to be involved. I absolutely want to be involved. And Hope and Olive turns out, again, through the friends that I know that work for Hands of Hope, I knew Hands of Hope was deeply involved in equipping Hope and Olive to get off the ground and running. So it was just really fun to kind of see the, the behind the scenes through friends and then also join it on, you know, the, the church side and get friends from church involved and, uh, get the the training and the equip, equipping to surround a, a foster family in our church. So what, what that's, a what that was my a what a wonderful story. Okay, what do you like most about being involved with care communities? The best way I can describe it is I felt completely prepared to accurately meet needs of a foster family. I think so often when we feel burdened to help someone, we kind of leap in either with our emotions Mm. or even with our own perspective. Mm. So we kind of uh, predict what we think their needs will be and we answer what we think their needs are. And honestly, that can cause more harm than good sometimes because we haven't taken time to connect and figure out what their needs are. And so these care communities are set up to funnel that information to properly equip the the volunteers to meet actual needs as opposed to inferred needs that a family would have. Oh man, that is uh, so well stated. That's so well stated. And you're so right about that. So that preparation is so critical so that you understand uh, the perspective of those you're seeking to serve, right? Yes. Uh, So, so critical. That's awesome. And it's, it's, it's amazing to hear that, this is the type of preparation that you received as you were, you know, stepping up um, because, you know, you did uh, what God put on your heart, which was to move in that direction, to step up, to put your, put your, you know, to sign up, but you don't necessarily know exactly what you're signing up for. Right. Like, yeah, like you got to be prepared. Someone has to tell you, well, this is exactly what it is. Right. This is where you're supposed to be, but here's what it really is. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's great that you, that you were prepared that way. Final icebreaker question. What is the secret sauce of your success? What keeps that positive mindset? What keeps you going? What's the secret sauce? First off, I have to say that the the foster mom that we support is incredibly amazing. She blows me away. And so every time I feel like, can I do this better? What can I do to change things? She constantly just comes back with, you guys don't know what this means. This has been such a huge blessing. Um, so obviously her grace and, and her positivity is contagious. She fuels me beyond, like, I just, I, like I said, I'm blown away by her 
and what she's done for the, she's a foster mom of teenage daughters. So, um, awesome. teens, whew. awesome. <laughs> they are, they've been amazing to get to know. Hold on a second. Let's um, give a round of applause for the foster for mom for teenage children. Yes. She, she's the real superhero in my mind, but that, and just knowing I have support for myself too. We know we have a team with hope and Olive ministries that I, can reach out to if I'm feeling like I don't know what to do next or how to help the best, or I'm not doing this alone. I have a team of, you know, six other people that are coming around this family. I mean, we were not meant to do life alone. And I think when we're doing deep work like this, doing it alone is just so much harder. So I would say it's the community, the knowledge that I can lean on them and and reach out because I haven't been a foster parent, there are things I just don't know. So it's, it just feels really good to know I can reach out to others, you know, people on the team that have foster experience um, or are in social work, or there's just so many people I can reach out to. That's awesome. All right. So let's, let's, let's go a little bit deeper into what care communities are. What, what is a care community? Can you explain for our listeners, what is a care community and why is it so important to foster children and families? Yeah. So a care community is like six to eight committed volunteers and they come alongside one foster family or adoptive family. And they just, they provide, you know, practical, emotional and spiritual support. So it could look like meals. It could look like taking a kid to practice or picking somebody up. It could look like cleaning the house. It could look like mowing the lawn. Um, It could look like doing some handiwork around the house they're just, they're there to fill in gaps and it, it may seem like a small thing, but a small thing times six is six small things. And given that once a week or even once a month, uh, maybe they're providing a date night for the couple as they um, do the hard work of being in, in the trenches all week, they need some time to draw away and connect. So these different pieces, it's like a piece of a puzzle, right? And when, when you put them all together, it is a full net of support for a family who's just doing very taxing work. It's good work. And I, and I'm sure a lot of them wouldn't hesitate to tell you it is, it is the right thing for them, but we can't discount that even good things are really hard sometimes. Say that again. That is absolutely Mm -hmm. true. So it sounds like wraparound support for Mm -hmm. foster families, full on wraparound support for foster families and, and, and providing a myriad of services. Yes. And those are custom to each individual family. So it's not a cookie cutter. You know, like I said, the gal that I support, she has teenagers. She doesn't need childcare, but um, she really wanted meals and just some touch points with the kids. And I see others who they had a a bio son that they wanted um, somebody to pick him up from his karate lessons every week so that he knew he could do those. You know, it was like it wasn't up in the air depending on who was having a good day or who needed something extra. It was a a given that he was going to get some individual time without his foster siblings around that he could just kind of decompress on his way home. And they provided that for him. That's awesome. And so tell me exactly how does it work? So you got foster families on one side, you got the community, the care community on the other side, they're ready, you know, trained and willing and able to, to meet the needs. How does the connection happen? With Hope and Olive, we first made a list of all the people that go to Genesis Church, which is just where, like I said, the the people who started this, that's where we happen to go to church. Um, All of the church members that were currently foster or adopted families. 
And we just kind of have an on, you know, ongoing list of that. It's not limited to that um, in the future, sure. which I would recommend anyone who's in need of a care community to go to hopeandolive.net and, and look at the next steps on how to identify yourself as a foster family in, in need of a care community. But uh, then we had a whole list of volunteers. And ideally, we try to connect volunteers within a like a 15-mile radius. So I don't want to be signed up to help someone who lives a half hour or more away. That's just, that's not practical logistics. So we try to bring these people around, or if they're already doing life together or something like that, obviously that makes sense. But if they're not, and they're new, like, like when I came on board, I just said, I, I want to help. And I knew there are people in my church or, or foster families who could live a half hour or more away. And I said, as long as it's close, <laughs> I'm a busy mom of three, I can run 15, 20 minutes someplace to drop off a meal or to connect. But I know if it's much further than that, it's going to start to get hard for my schedule. Sure. So, yeah, we look at logistics of where they live, proximity um, and season of life. You know, if someone didn't want to do a family that has young kids because they don't, that's just not their bag or something. You know, we custom put the team members around the foster family that they paired up with best. Okay. And then we asked for a 12 month commitment. You know, can you commit for 12 months to meet the needs of this family? And, you know, so when they said yes, they said yes to a full year. And they even kind of ticked some boxes of like, what's, what's in their wheelhouse? You know, is it making meals? Is it, you know, they clean houses for a living. They'd love to clean the house or mow a lawn or, or run kids around. So they, they communicated what their strengths were, what, what they wanted to bring to the table and hope and olive piece those together to create the teams. That's awesome. Man, what a what a process. I mean, that's really some nitty-gritty work. I mean, that sounds like staffing to a certain yeah. degree, right? It's like And all those people are volunteers. I mean, they're not getting paid to do that. They just are passionate about the right. success of care communities. If you do that work on the front end, for the most part, then it it should thrive in that year based on what you you listened to your volunteers and you put them into areas that they already said, "Hey, I can do this. I want to do this." Awesome. So are there any training requirements? I mean, I know that fostering can be a sensitive endeavor, right? There is uh, privacy concerns. There is obviously child protection, child safety concerns. What is the training requirements to be involved in care communities? Yes. So we can thank Hands of Hope and also the parent community or parent organization, you say Promise 6? Promise 686, yes. Yep. 686, yes. Who birthed the training videos and freely gave them to Hands of Hope. And Hands of Hope has been a front runner in the state of Indiana to equip churches and ministries alike with how to train and create these care communities. So Hope and Olive did not create that the, the process that I just talked about, they were gifted that information. And, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, <laughs> don't fix it, but, you know, use these processes that other people have painstakingly put into process or put into place. So we are the benefactor, Hope and Olive is the benefactor of, of other people putting together really good systems. And we watched several videos, kind of had a facilitator making sure that, that we were in and watching the the videos. It taught us, yes, about the kind of the stipulations of different parts of what was needed and the confidentiality. And, and again, just kind of opening our eyes to some of the trauma that these kids are going to, to going to have experienced prior to, and what does that mean to interact with them um, as a volunteer? So it's not like they're getting everyday interaction with me. I'm not their foster parent. 
Right. But I can take those, that information and that training to understand some of the nuances of coming in and interacting with them as, as a care community member. So awesome. And so you mentioned promise 686. So I did do in preparation for the show, I did do a little background uh, research on this care communities model. And I, I got to admit, I was extremely impressed at the amount of preparation that is that that is behind the scenes and, and that went into the infrastructure of care communities. Promise 686 yeah. is an organization that is based out of Georgia. And, you know, I encourage my listeners to go to their site. I will include um, the links to their site in my show notes. But promise686.org slash care communities is the website. So this is a movement for sure and one that we really do need to encourage. So, and it's going to be individuals like you, like Ashley Ferris, um, that are that are going to be passing the baton to other volunteers, right? So we have this Absolutely. cascade of, of uh, support that's, that's taking place all on behalf of vulnerable children and foster families. Um, can non-church members be involved in care communities? Absolutely. And like I said, through... Hope and Olive, which is where I can speak to the most of, we have an application process on the website and that allows you to begin the process of getting involved. We'll do background checks. We can um, equip you and train you and put you on a team. Or we even have, like I said, a list that we're kind of starting of people who want to help, but maybe cannot make that 12 month commitment for whatever reason. But they say, Hey, if there's a gap in a, in a care community that week, I want to fill it. It's, it's one of those things that it's not as scary as it sounds. It sounds intimidating for a year or for signing on for a family. And I can just tell you from my experience, it's been so life-giving. Um, my three kids fight over who gets to come with me <laughs> to hang out with the foster mom <laughs> and the kids and the pets. My experience has, I, I've freely shared my experience. Um, my sister joined my team this past um, month as uh, the 12 months came up, we had a couple people who had to step off the team and we've had two new people join and she was one of them. And it was just so fun to get to partner with her in that too and create more connection in that way. And so I love the aspect that really anybody can get involved. It, it, it's just that simple. There That's- is something that you can do. And I mean, we have a, a foster closet in our, at our church that's through Hope and Olive. And I spent one evening just organizing clothes with some of the volunteers. And that may seem like nothing, but to them, that was huge. And that bleeds into the fact that when a foster family comes in and looks through those clothes, they were the ones that had little stains and that, that like nobody needs these things can be pulled out and they can look at just nice, gently used things. And they were organized by size. And like I said, you think that that's no big deal, but it's a big deal. If everybody does one little thing, we can start to eliminate some of these big gaps that these kids have in their support systems. Absolutely. Fantastic and well stated. My next question, can you tell us about Hands of Hope and how Hands of Hope is involved in supporting Hope and Olive? Yeah. So from the beginning, Hope and Olive got in touch with Hands of Hope when it was starting in I just tell you, Hands of Hope was so free-handed with all of the information that they have received to equip Hope and Olive to start care communities and to understand what that looked like to train and get their their volunteers up and running. Um, another beautiful thing is they also just kind of kept their hands off and let Hope and Olive do 
what it felt called to do. So they've provided a lot of resources, but they're not micromanaging the team and they're really letting them live out the vision that, that God has put in their heart. So, um, but they've, they've definitely created a, a great communication back and forth of resources that's to awesome. help equip and train the volunteers. Yeah. And it sounds like that's why it's so successful is because uh, it's, you know, this sounds like hands of hope as well as promise eight, six, eight, six has have faith in the infrastructure they created. And they, mm-hmm. and they know that once you're trained, you're equipped and now they could give you the room and the space to actually grow at a pace that makes sense for you as a, as a community. Yes. Well, and they just give them that freedom to really uh, be custom, whatever the needs are right in front of you. They've had the freedom to adjust to meet those needs. Well, that's fantastic. We are we're very excited about this care communities model. We want you know we want to support the growth and development of this. I really do see this as a point of innovation when it comes to serving children and families and when it comes to really recruitment and retention of foster families. So Ashley, you're doing amazing, amazing work. Thank you so much for that. Uh, At this point in the show, we do want to learn a little bit more about you um, as an individual. You know, it's clear that you are super passionate about this and that, you know, this kind of rolls right off your heart in terms of your engagement. And and my, I'm curious, I'm sure my listeners are as well. What in your life led you in this direction? Is there some experience, some life experience that you had or some something that you observed uh, in your life that triggered this level of commitment? Nothing that that jumps out. Um being someone who's grown up in the church, uh, we hear the, you know, the verse of caring for widows and orphans. And, you know, we've, we've supported children from other countries for about 14 years now financially, but I've got to be honest. And I, I'm not discounting that it's important. I really believe in it, but there's also something about meeting needs right here in our own neighborhood, in our own cities and hearing just the foster crisis, the foster kid crisis in our area, it's on the news. It's something that you, you can't completely ignore from, you know, knowing that it exists. I think it's just that, just feeling that heartbeat. I'm a mom of three. I, um, I've seen kids, you know, my kids have friends or, or whatnot that you see kids that are missing something in their lives, right. Or they, they have trauma or they have tragedy. And so I just know as a mom, I think any mom would really want that want that care to be met. And, and sometimes that's just not possible in the, the biological family unit for lots of different reasons. And so I, I believe we as Christians are called to come for those kids in some capacity. And I think the most humbling way we can do that is find out what they need and find out the best way to support them and then be submissive to that as opposed to just coming in with our own ideas of what they need or what's best. What is your most memorable experience as a care community volunteer? Do you have any anecdotal kind of experiences that, that you look back on? Um, I can think of a couple of different ones, either with my kids. We had our, our foster mom moved, so she relocated to a different home. And our team is 
full, we were a decent mix of moms with kids as well. And, um, those who did not have kids. And so, you know, you get, you got a mixed bag of seasons of life and busyness and all of that. And so we've had a little difficulty getting our entire team together on one given night. It's just, I don't know the nature of the beast. I don't, I don't know exactly <laughs> why that's been a difficulty, but it has been. However, on the night that our foster mom was moving, our entire team showed up and everybody was packing boxes. And I had two of my kids with me and I snapped this picture at one point as two my two girls. I think there was another little girl from one of the other team members. They were loading things in my minivan. The seats were all down and they were just piling them in. And it was just a really cool picture because uh, more is caught than taught with our kids. Right. And, and that was one of those yeah, moments where I was like, right. this is going to matter forever in their hearts. Right. To know that it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It can look like just moving boxes from a house to a van and from a van to a new house. Like that was being the hands and feet of Jesus. And we had a great conversation that night between myself and my kids about this is just what it looks like. We just help. We just, we offer ourselves to being support for other people. And so that was, that was definitely one of the highlights for me as a mom. But then I want to say it was a couple months ago, I was bringing a meal and I thought that the mom was going to be there and we were texting. I said, Hey, I'm on my way. And she's like, well, I'm actually not there at the moment, but a couple of the girls are. So I bring, I come to the house anyway, ring the doorbell, accidentally woke up one of the girls. She was napping like six o'clock at night. So I felt a little bad. Um, and I came in and, and I'm like socially awkward times a thousand. I feel like I'm not necessarily <laughs> feeling, um, I relate to the social awkwardness. I could be that, I could be that way as well. <laughs> right. Especially when I'm a little caught off guard. My oldest is 13. So I don't really like teenagers are not my norm yet. Mine are all tweens at this point. So I'm not going to lie. Like I get tongue tied and I get caught up in my own words about this. And, and we've been, you know, in this gal's life at this point for like 10 months. So I set the meal down and, and I'm kind of fumbling through probably some really awkward conversation. I don't even know what I was saying, but suddenly she just opens up to me, just starts telling me a whole bunch of stuff that's going on in her life. And inside I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's like sharing things with me. And, and I, I'm she usually doesn't even come out of a room when I'm here (laughs) I'm freaking out on the inside and on the outside, I'm just like playing it cool and I'm listening and I don't know what that meant for her. But for me, it was one of those moments where it's like, we've been sowing these seeds and we've just been showing up. And as our foster mom has said multiple times, like there are very few people in these girls lives who aren't paid to be there. Mm. And To know that just bringing a meal and just showing up month after month sent the message that she matters. Mm. That, I mean, that was the easiest way for me to, like, at that moment, I'm like, I'm, I'm in this. I mean, I was anyway. But you always get these, you can get these moments where you're just like, that changed me. Yep. And... Sorry. Take your time. <laughs> it was it was just a really beautiful moment that inside I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. But I was what she needed that night, and it was really just a listening ear. I didn't necessarily have advice for her, and I don't think she was looking for that. I think she just wanted to be heard in the moment. And, and that's absolutely I, true. 
Yeah, I think we can think it has to be these big, grandiose things. And it's just not. A lot of times it's the mundane and it's the consistency and it's the showing up that impacts these kids for the long term. Absolutely. What is, you know, speaking of listeners getting involved, what's the easiest way for our listeners to get involved in a care community? So my biggest piece of advice would be going to handsofhopein.org. That's their website. It's going to, you're going to have some great information to just help you understand what the care communities are about in the, like I said, in the state of Indiana, more than anything, that broad stroke. And also they would be the great, the best resource to understand maybe where you live locally, what organization is close to you um, that you could then touch point with, because that's going to be where you're going to find the most success is if you're, you know, geographically located close to your care community and to the person you're supporting, because that's, I mean, that's just logistics more than anything. But there's a lot of great organizations and churches that are pioneering and, and championing the care community model for the foster care support. Awesome. At this point in the show, I want to go into imagination land. I want to ask you to remove all barriers to remove all limitations, real or perceived, as it relates to uh, transforming life for uh, foster children and foster families. And I'm going to ask you if you could wave your magic wand and reimagine foster care and change something, one thing, just one thing. Let's restrict this exercise to just one uh, Mm -hmm. change. You could wave that wand and change one thing within the foster care space that's going to impact the lives of children and families. What would you change? I wish we could look into the truest heart of the families before they enter foster care to really know the intent of a parent, what their needs truly are. Honestly, to prevent the foster system in the beginning, you know, as much as I see holes and brokenness in the system, if we, we backtrack further, like the, the devastation is that the family can't stay together in the first place. And working towards that, I don't, I don't know the answer to the question. I just know it. for me, the solution lies in somewhere before foster parents are even needed because I think it's, the biggest tragedy, what are we not doing to support these families in the first place that caused them to fracture? That's a wonderful answer. That's a wonderful answer. It sounds like what you're saying is that if you could wave your wand, you'd take us all the way back to the beginning. You would allow, you would allow us to understand what's in the hearts of the bio families and what their yeah. needs are and find a way to meet those needs before the foster care system even becomes necessary. Yeah. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining the show, Ashley. You are amazing and you are absolutely a hero uh, of the show. 
and a hero for foster families and children. So thank you so, so much. Keep up the great work. Thanks for having me today. To learn more about care communities, go to handsofhopein.org slash care communities. Also, promise686.org 